Lessons in Tanya. The Tanya of Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi. Taught by Rabbi Ben-Zion Krasniansky. Tanya's text elucidated by Rabbi Yosef Weinberg. We're going to start with the two approbations in Tanya, page 4. Uh, there's a uh, beautiful story in the winter of 1903. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, Rabbi Yosef Yitzhak Schneerson, spent the winter with his father, the Rebbe Rashab, Rabbi Shalom Dovber Schneerson, and they spent the entire winter in Vienna. And every night they would spend their time in the shul, in the Beis Medrash, in the study hall. They would study, they happened to be studying Tour is one of the first code of Jewish laws. And every night they would spend hours studying in great depth. And uh, the, the older Hasidim did not recognize, because this was in Vienna, the Rebbe Rashab was the Lubavitcher Rebbe from Russia. They didn't know who he was. This was 1903. There were no pictures then. People, and he didn't introduce himself. He didn't say who he was. It was just two Jews sitting... Many Jews would come for business in Vienna, it was an international city, and they saw these two Jews, and at night, the older Hasidim would walk over to them and say, younger malite, younger man, do you have cigarettes? And they would talk. One day, they come over to them at night, they ask for a cigarette, and he says, younger light, younger light, young men. It's very nice that you're learning the code of Jewish law and great depth, but it's all intellectual exercise. You can't just live off intellectual exercise. You need a little inspiration. You have to learn something in the Torah that will inspire you a little. So Rabbi Rashad looks at them and says, so what do you recommend I should learn? He says, well, you have to learn. We have, a, we have a book we recommend it very highly. It's called the Tanya. He <laughs> says, you must learn the Tanya. And they show him the Tanya. The Rabbi Rashad opens it up, looks at it. He says, yeah, it's a good book. It's a very good book. It's a good book. He took the Alter Rabbi. 20 years to formulate the Tanya. When he finally started saying the Tanya in public, the Tanya as we have it, the first time was actually on Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, 1789. That was the day after his grandchild, the Tzemach Tzedek, the third Lubavitcher Rebbe, was born. And that's when the Alter Rebbe began the first chapter of the Tanya. And he said, on that Rosh Hashanah, he said first three chapters of Tanya. The first chapter of Tanya begins with the quote from the Talmud, before a soul descends into this world, they administer an oath to the soul. This was the day after his grandson was born. And for the next four years, a little over four years, Al-Tarebi said the Tanya. And um, little by little, and finally he concluded the Tanya on the 10th day of Kislev. In the year... 1793. And within that time period, I believe in 1792, the al gave permission for them to start copying individual chapters of the Tanya, just leaflets. And um, they spread very rapidly. But what happened was, and this is the Hasidim. The Hasidim found out. What happened was the Alter Rebbe was getting questions from many different places. 
And from the questions he received, he realized that there are many mistakes in the Tanya. And at first he thought that this was, you know, when you copy, yeah, inadvertently you have mistakes. He was a little surprised by the mistakes. But then the Hasidim found out that these weren't just mistakes, they were intentional mistakes. Misnagdim, the opponents of Hasidim, intentionally wanted to discredit the Alter Rebbe. So they went and they forged, they, they, they misrepresented and they, they sold in public these pamphlets from the Alter Rebbe, but really they changed things. And it made the Alter Rebbe look in a very bad light. There were two Hasidim who they were traveling, it was in the marketplace, and they just encountered this person selling tanya. They were so excited. They wanted to give him business, even though they already had a tanya. They bought, they bought one. And they started reading, and they were familiar with the tanya. Says, this is with the booklets, with the pamphlets. It says something is wrong here. And they realized what was going on here. They intentionally forged documents. So they went over to the person. They pretended they were also them, And he filled them in on the whole story. Yes, that we, we made 900 copies. And thank God we already sold 150. And we want to discredit Alter Rebbe so we can once and for all discredit him within the Jewish community. They were wealthy Jews, wealthy Hasidim. They bought all the, all the remaining manuscripts. And they, of course... Uh, they publicized the whole story to the whole Jewish community and they had proofs, yeah. you know, evidence and proof. And uh, so when Alter Rebbe realized that he had all this falsification, that's when Alter Rebbe first agreed to publish, publish the Tanya. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe says that the first time the Alter Rebbe began saying the Tanya in public was actually in the year 1782. And the reason why the Alter Rebbe began saying the Tanya in public, this was many years after he already formulated the Chabad philosophy and the Chabad approach. Why he began saying the Tanya in public was because the first Hasidic book that was ever published, written by the senior student of the Baal Shem Tov, that told us Yaakov Yosef, Rabbi Yaakov Yosef of Palna, was burnt by the opponents, by the Misnak. And in response to that public burning, of the first book of Hasidus, Al Rebbe encountered that by beginning to publicly publicize, by orally publicizing and starting to communicate the, the Tanya. That was the first communication. But it was in the year 1796 that Al Rebbe agreed to publish the Tanya. Because at that very same time, in the year 1796, the day before Pesach, when you burned the chametz, the Misnagdim also burned another book that came out of the teachings of the Bashamtiv. It's called Savoa Sarivash, the will and testament of the Bashamtiv. This was not anything the Bashamtiv wrote. We don't have anything the Bashamtiv wrote besides the letters the Bashamtiv wrote. This was a collection, collection of his sayings written by his students. It was published, and they burned it together with the chametz. The Rebbe, in response to this heinous criminal act, the Rebbe pushed himself. The Rebbe responded by agreeing to go to, to go to be published. That if the, if the opposite side can have such, such chutzpah, could reach such a low that they can go ahead and burn the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, this like lit a fire in the Rebbe, and he decided to go against his nature 
and to publish the book. And also, especially since you had all these errors that were floating around the Jewish community, you had all these malicious um, mistakes that were spread around the Jewish community, so the Alter Rebbe agreed to have the book published. He, he edited it entirely. And he had the book published, and also without publishing his name. Even in the introduction, he doesn't have his name anywhere in the book. It was only after he passed away that his children put his name in. This was a condition. The Rebbe only agreed to publish the book only if his name is not, doesn't appear anywhere. Totally anonymous. And before he published, he sent three of his chassidim, three of his major chassidim, to his colleagues. To Rabbi Yehuda Leib of, of, of Pulnoa and also Rabbi, Rabbi Zusha of Anapoli. And if they would give permission for him to print the book, he would agree to print the book. And that, those are the two approbations that we're going to read in a moment. And they, of course, gave their permission. It was at the same time, as you'll see, the dates that they both write was actually the same week um, that they gave their, their permission. The tradition has it they actually lived in the same town. And once the Alter Rebbe received permission, the Alter Rebbe immediately um, agreed to have it published, but he had one request, that the books should be ready, should be published by Rosh Chodesh Kislev, so by Yutes Kislev, which is the yard site of his Rebbe, Rabbi Dover, the Tanya should be out and, the, and it should be published. But, for whatever reason, it wasn't ready to be published. Because it wasn't ready to be published, it wasn't published until Chaf Kislev. And the Rebbe received his first copy on the second night of Hanukkah. And the Hasidim saw that the Rebbe was visibly upset. He was very upset. And it wasn't until two, two years later, when the Rebbe was arrested and released from prison on the 19th day of Kislev, and on the 20th of Kislev, that the Hasidim realized why the Alter Rebbe was so upset, why it was so important for the Alter Rebbe to have the Tanya published and ready for the 19th day of Kislev. Hasidim have a tradition. The Alter Rebbe sat in prison for 53 days. One day for each chapter in the Tanya. There are 53 chapters in the Tanya. Each day his life was on the line. He wasn't sure if they are going to sentence him to death or if he would live or be released. So he went through torture, went through hell for, for 53 days. And the Hasidim have a tradition that the 53 chapters of the Tanya correspond to the Torah portions in the Torah. One place in Zohar it says there are 53 Torah portions in the Torah. The word 53, 53 numerical value is the word gan, which is garden. And the Torah is like a garden. There are 53 Torah portions. In fact, there are 54. But if you don't, if you don't count the last portion, because the last portion we never read on Shabbat, or Nitzav and Vayelach are counted as one, so the Zohar says there are 53 Torah portions. But even we know there are 54 Torah portions if you count the introduction to the Tanya, the Rebbe's introduction which we're going to learn soon. With the 53 chapters, that parallels the 54 Torah portions in the Torah. Is 
Tani based on Zohar? Of course. And, and the Kabbalah of the Ari. And, and the entire Torah, yes. The Mishnahim had the same tradition as far as Kabbalah, no? Oh, well, that's what we learned in chapter 7. So then why would you... No, there was a major argument. We learn, I refer you back to the chapter 7 over there, was a major argument, a major argument about the idea of tzimtzum, which was the opposite approaches in Alter Rebbe, interpreting how the, what Arizal meant by tzimtzum. So the, the Hasidim tradition is that the Tanya was considered like the Bible of the Hasidic movement. It was like the written, it was the only book written by the Alter Rebbe, published by the Alter Rebbe, word for word. It's written in the Hebrew, in the Hebrew font, not the Rashi font, in the Hebrew font. It's like a Torah scroll. It's written without, without vowels, without paragraphs. The Alter Rebbe was so careful when he wrote to Tanya. He was careful about each and every word. One day his brother walks into his room and he sees... He has a pen in his right hand, and he's leaning with his left hand, he's leaning, and he's in deep thought, deep concentration. And he said, I'm thinking. There was a word in the 41st chapter of the Tanya. He says, I'm thinking whether I should write the word with a vav or without a vav. He said, and it's worth it for me to think for another three weeks until I clarify the point, until it becomes so clear and that whoever will read the Tanya will understand clearly the point that I'm trying to make. And now the Rebbe said that in the merit of the time and effort and the amount of concentration that he put into every letter, into every word of the Tanya, and just in order to clarify the point, that godliness should be so clear and so accessible that he hopes and prays that any Jew, any Jew that will study the Tanya, will also receive that clarity in their relationship with Hashem. And the Hasidim, and the tradition is that as a result of the Alter Rebbe's sacrifice, 53 days of sacrifice, he put his life on the line, he went through torture, just in order to be able to um, teach and spread the teachings of Hasidism. And he, he accomplished that anyone who is going to study the Tanya, any Jew who is going to study the Tanya, is guaranteed that the Tanya will inspire them, the Tanya will strengthen them, the Tanya will strengthen their relationship with God and, and strengthen their neshama. And the um, tradition has it when Rabbi Levi Yitzhak Badichev, the great Hasidic master, the Alter Rebbe's colleague, saw the Tanya, he cried out and he said that my colleague, the Alter Rebbe, took such a great God and placed him such a big God and placed him in such a tiny book, such a little book. He managed to take such a huge God and put him in such, in such a small book. Now, when the Alter Rebbe wrote the Tanya and when he spoke about the Tanya, the Alter Rebbe would would relive and he would be on that level like the chapters when he speaks about joy for those weeks that he was talking about joy he himself was in a state of joy and all the Hasidim were in a state of ecstasy like the whole environment it affected Alter Rebbe very deeply he didn't just write the Tanya he lived the Tanya 
He sacrificed his life for the Tanya. He invested his whole essence in the Tanya. And it affected him very deeply. So when he spoke about joy, or when he spoke about bitterness, he was in a very bitter mood or sharp mood, and it affected all the Hasidim around him. So it was like the, it was, he lived the Tanya, which is the whole idea of Hasidus. It's not enough just to learn and to study, but it has to affect you. You have to be on that level. It has to change you and affect you very deeply and very, and very personally. One time the Hasidim walk in to the Alter Rebbe's room and they see that he's studying the Tanya. They were surprised. The author is studying the Tanya. And he was, he was like deeply in thought studying the Tanya. So they turned. He says, Rebbe, you're also studying the Tanya. He said, believe me, I find more, more things in the Tanya that I learn more from the Tanya than I learned from my own teacher. Rabbi Dovber, the Magadim is rich. Because once the book is written, it was written by divine inspiration. So even the Rebbe himself, it's divine inspiration. Every word, every letter. It's not that the Rebbe planned to have 53 chapters in the introduction. But it was by divine providence that it turned out that way. That everything about the Tanya was so accurate, so much so, the parallels in the Tanya and the Torah is almost is uncanny. Throughout all the Torah portions in the Torah, 54 Torah portions, there are only 11 that do not start with a vav. The first letter of the Torah portion, when you go through the entire Torah, you'll find out of the 54 Torah portions, there are only 11 that don't start with a vav. All the rest, 43 start with a vav. Vayoymer. Vayoymer. Not the names of the Torah portion. The very first word in the Torah portion. You look at the Tanya, you'll find the exact same thing. Every letter, in the, every chapter in the Tanya starts with a vav. The exception of ten chapters plus the introduction. That's eleven. Does everyone accept the Tanya? Ah, well, the Tanya is studied by Jews all over the world. That's the, that was the first story that we related when the Rebbe himself, the fifth Rebbe, with his son, the previous Lubavitcher Rebbe, was sitting in Vienna all winter, and these other Hasidic groups, not Lubavitch, because they would recognize the Rebbe, and they were telling him, young man, you have to learn the Tanya. So this was a popular book and accepted by all Hasidim throughout the world. And today it's accepted uh, even beyond Hasidic circles. It's studied by Jews all over the world. Even in Lakewood now, I think that's the, it's, very, it's very hot now, the Tanya. This opposition, this was part of the debate in heaven? Yes, there was tremendous opposition. There was tremendous opposition because the Alter Rebbe um, was pushing the envelope. According to the Torah, what's meant to be hidden should remain hidden. The Alter Rebbe was pushing the envelope. Um... Because he, he devoted his life to clarify Hasidism, to make it available and accessible to the average Jew. That the average Jew should be able to grasp and comprehend godliness. And although there was a, uh, there was a famous story at Alter Rebbe, when the Alter Rebbe was a student of his teacher, Rabbi Dov Ber, the Magadim is rich, um, the Rabbi Dov Ber's elderly colleague, Rabbi Pinchas of Karetz, who was a disciple of the Baal Shem Tev, visited 
his colleague. And he was upset. He saw that there was a, a pamphlet of Hasidic teachings and it was on the floor. And he was so upset because he believed he did not a, approve of his colleague, Rabbi Dov Ber, the Magid's teaching of Hasidism and publicizing it. He felt that it's something that has to be remained hidden, concealed, only for a select few. And to prove his point, look, he comes to Mizrich and he sees these pamphlets on the streets, neglected. He felt insulted. And he was angry. And when a tzaddik, like Rabbi Pinchas Karetzer, is angry and upset, it leaves a very powerful impression on heaven. Talter Rebbe sensed what was going on, and he realized that his teacher is in danger. He's in grave danger. Because Rabbi Pinchas Karetzer's anger is enough to physically hurt. This will cause a tremendous anger in heaven against and, and accusation against Rabbi Dovber. I said, Alter Rebbe walked over to Rabbi Pinchas and he says, let me tell you a parable. He said, there was once a king who had a son, a prince. And the prince became very ill. And they called all the doctors and they couldn't find any cure for, for the prince. And the king was getting desperate. And finally, he calls the best doctor of the kingdom. And the doctor says, after studying the matter, they turn to the king, well, I have good news and bad news. The good news is that there's a possibility we may be able to save your son. But the bad news is, the only way we can save your son is if we take the crown jewel of the, of the crown, the stone, the most precious stone in the kingdom, and we will grind it and we will mix it with water and we'll pour that down the, 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 the throat of your child, then maybe he can be cured. By the time they figure this out, the report came back from the hospital that the son's condition deteriorated. At this point, they're not even sure if they, anything could even enter the son's mouth. He's so sick that he can't even drink anything. So at this time, the king was thrown into a dilemma. Because even if he took the crown jewel that's been stored and treasured for generations and passed down and handed down from generation to generation, most precious stone in the entire kingdom, even if he took it and he, and he grinds it, there's no guarantee, and they pour it down the, the, the son's throat, there's no guarantee anything will even enter his mouth. His mouth is so closed and parched and ill, so maybe the whole thing will be for waste. And while the ministers are debating, the king says, of course we should grind the crown jewel. He says, what's the point of a crown jewel? My son is my only ear. If there's no son, there's no future, there's no king, then what's the point? Who cares about the crown jewel? The crown jewel is not, it's not the crown jewel, it's my son. Take the crown jewel even if you know for sure that most of it will go to waste. You're going to grind the crown jewel, you're going to pour it into, try to pour it into the son's mouth, most of it will go to waste. But maybe, maybe there's a slight chance that a drop will enter into the prince's mouth and it will revive him and it will save his life. Pinchas heard this, he smiled. He says, you're very wise. <laughs> because he understood the, he didn't have to explain the, the moral of the story. The crown jewel, that's the Kabbalah, that's the secrets of the Torah, the Hasidic philosophy, which was hidden and treasured and concealed for thousands of years and handed down from generation to generation. But the prince is the Jew. And when the Jew reached such a state of exile, such a state of darkness, and 
it was a question of the Jew, the prince's life was at risk, and maybe the prince will not make it, will not survive, because after being in exile for so long, the, 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 the crown, the Jew, the prince was ready to give up his life, was ready to give up, and also face the temptations of assimilation. The ghetto walls were coming down, and the Jew was about to find himself in a new situation for the first time in his history where he had no ulterior motive to be Jewish, he had every ulterior motive to assimilate and disappear. And um, so if the king's son would not get this crown jewel, then it's a question of life and death. Now, the king's son's the, the situation deteriorated. And it reached a point where we're not even sure if anything will even get in. You're going to pour out all this Hasidism, all this philosophy, all these Hasidic teachings. Most of it won't even be appreciated. Most of it, which has been treasured for thousands of years. People are ready to die for these mystics, for these secrets, for these mysteries. And here we're spreading it out and publicizing it and no one pays attention and no one cares. And it's almost an insult and a humiliation. We're taking the king's crown jewel, we're grinding it and just it's all just pouring out and just lying on this, ending up in the ground, un, unutilized, unappreciated. But the king said it's all worth it. He goes, what's it all about? It's all about the Jew. Perhaps one drop of Hasidic philosophy will enter into the son's mouth. And it will revive him, and it will save his life. So Rabbi Pinchas Karitzer smiled. And later on, Rabbi Dov Ber thanked the Alter Rebbe. He says when he was sleeping... He felt it was a tremendous anger at him in heaven. Tremendous accusation against him. And he felt that al Rebbe came to his rescue, came to his defense. With his wisdom. And on the spot, he came to this, that Rabbi Pinchas understood, and he blessed Rabbi Dov Ber's approach. But al Rebbe took this a step further, because here, that only explained why you could teach Hasidism in a way as an antidote, as an antidote to an illness. So you give a precious drop. You don't, in medicine, you don't give an abundance. Medicine, you give a drop. An antidote, a pill, a drug. You just give a drop, you revive the patient, the patient lives, and that's it. Dr. Rebbe took it a step further. Dr. Rebbe wrote a book, a book of Tanya, that publicizes it, articulates it, explains it at great de- length and great detail, clarifying it, making it accessible to each and every Jew, the simplest Jew, that your mind can grasp and inspire yourself with the teachings of Hasid. Al-Tarebi was taking it too far. He was going too far. He was risking it all. He was going on a limb. It was unprecedented. He was a revolutionary. And there was a tremendous resistance to it in heaven. This is not the way things are done. It was never done this way. It's unprecedented. Now the Rebbe was pushing the animals, breaking down the barrier, and he was ready to risk his life to break down the barrier. He took it upon himself. And the, the, the Rebbe said that as a result of the Alter Rebbe publishing the Tanya two years before he was in prison, and, and hundreds of thousands, of thousands, if not tens of thousands of Jews studied the Tanya, and received inspiration from the studying of the Tanya. All the angels, all the holy angels that were created as a result of all that study and all that prayer and all that inspiration, that came to the rescue of Alter Rebbe. They all, um, they all rooted for Alter Rebbe, and there was a turnaround in heaven. And heaven, they vindicated Alter Rebbe, and they gave him the green light to go ahead and to study to study the Tanya.
and to publicize and to teach Hasidism, um, to even to reveal it even more and more. And um, there's a beautiful story told by Hasidim. We're about to read the two approbations written by his colleagues, Rabbi Hudalei Cohen and Rabbi Zushav Anipoli. But there is also a tradition that Alter Rebbe received a third approbation, an unwritten approbation. And the story goes as follows. There was a teacher, a Malamid, poor teacher, who lived in the outskirts of Liazhna, where Alter Rebbe lived at that time. Every, uh, every uh, day, just to supplement his income, because he couldn't really live off the salary of a teacher in Eastern Europe, you can barely survive, feed your family, your wife and kids. His wife would bake him some goods, breads, and while he went to town to teach, he would sell, sell it. Anyway, one day, he's home and he receives, he hears a knock on the door. Someone, someone knocks on the door and he asks for help. He doesn't, he doesn't you know, he looks, looks, looks like in very bad shape. He's freezing, he's cold, he has nowhere to stay. And the, the Malamed, his teacher, says, of course, come in. And he immediately cooked him up a soup, and some food, some bread. And he gave him the place where his children were sleeping on top of the oven next to the fireplace. He moved his children, he says, sleep over here, warm your bones up. And um, you chilled bones. And in the morning, he thanks them and he leaves. When the children went back to the regular place, they see that he left the bag behind. So he tells their father he left the bag. But they don't even know his name. They don't even know who he is. How are they going to find him? His father says, let me open the bag. Surely I'll find something with his name in it. I'll figure out who he is. He opens the bag and he's shocked to see the bag filled with gold coins. He doesn't know what to do. Next day he goes to town, he immediately goes into the Alter Rebbe. He's a chassid Alter Rebbe. He tells the Rebbe the story. So the Rebbe says, you have nothing to worry. The person is not coming back for his stuff. The money is yours, legally. And don't worry about it. Come back at the end of the day. When you finish teaching, come back and I'll tell you what to do. And he comes back at the end of the day. Alter Rebbe says, don't use the money. No one should know what happened. Just open up, open up a little tiny store in the city, in Liyashna. That's it. Anyway, and then report back to me. And a year later, he opens the store. The store is doing well. He hardly used any money from his... After that, he says, okay, now, now open a bigger store. And after a few years, he had the biggest store in Liyashna. And he comes to the Alter Rebbe. Alter Rebbe says, I want you to go now to the city of Itepsk and become, sell to the manufacturers. And he, um, he expands his business and he starts selling to manufacturers. A year later, the Alter Rebbe says, now I want you to go wholesale. Go to Moscow and become a wholesaler. And start using more of your money and become a wholesaler. So he became one of the biggest wholesalers. Next year, Alter Rebbe says, now I want you to go out of the country. Go to Königsberg in Germany. And you become the major wholesaler to 
the wholesalers in Moscow. And yeah, he went to Congress, he made a fortune of money. And he decided he wants to buy the Alter Rebbe a gift. So he comes back with a, a snuff box. Silver snuff box. Which the Alter Rebbe used to straighten out his tefillin. He didn't want to use the snuff box for snuff. He used it to straighten out as a mirror to straighten out his tefillin. It should be straight. Tefillin have to be exactly between the nose. So he used the snuff box. Every time he would come back come back with a gift and Alter Rebbe was not pleased. He says, please, I don't need these gifts. I don't want these gifts. This is, this is, this is not what I want. So what, so what do you want me to get you? What would you like? So Alter Rebbe says, do me a favor. Next time you go to Königsberg, I want you to go to the theater. It's a strange request. That's what Alter Rebbe wants. So when he's in Königsberg, at the end of the day, goes into the theater, buys a ticket, sits in the back, and he promptly falls asleep. He's exhausted, he's tired, he, as soon as the lights are out, he has no interest in theater, he's asleep. He wakes up, the place is empty. The only one that's there is the janitor. So the janitor walks over to him, and the janitor says, sorry, we're closed, it's time to leave. And that janitor notices he's a chassid, he's dressed like a chassid. He says, where are you from? I'm from Lyajna. He says, Lyajna? Do you know Rabbi Schneer Zalman? He says, Do I know Rabbi Schneer Zalman? He's my Rabbi. He says, Do me a favor. Send them regards. He says, Who may I ask to send them regards? Tell him that Carl, Carl is sending regards. This is in Germany. Carl is sending regards. 1796. Carl is sending regards. Fine. Comes back to the Rabbi. Regards, Alter Rebbe smiles. He says, "Thank you. That's the gift I wanted." Next time, before he went, Alter Rebbe calls him in. He says, "Do me a favor. Here's a package. When you get to Königsberg, go straight to the theater. Show it to Carl, and I want you to bring it all back to me." So he goes, reaches Königsberg, goes straight to the theater. He handles, hand delivers the package. And he waits because he has to take it back. And Carl's open. Carl opens it up, and he's reading, and he says, he keeps on saying, "Wow, it's open divine inspiration. It's ruach hakodesh." And he noticed that what he was reading was the Tanya. Dr. Rebbe sent to him the book of the Tanya before it was published, and he says, "Tell." Carl says, "I can't keep it." He says, "No." The Rebbe says, "I have to take it back." Just tell your Rebbe, it's very good. And the tradition has it that he was one of the 36 hidden tzaddikim. Now, the Rebbe wanted, he must have been the head of the 36 tzaddikim, hidden, hidden tzaddikim, you know, the hidden society. And now, the Rebbe wanted his okay before, before he published the Tanya. So that's the third approbation, which is not printed. And now we're going to read page four. So first we read the approbation. Approbation by the famous rabbi and chassid, a godly man of saintly renown, our teacher, Rabbi Meshulam Zushil of Annapoli. I have seen the writings of this rabbi and Gaon, this godly man, saintly and pure. He doesn't mention his name, because the Alter Rebbe refu- only agreed to have the Tanya published if his name is not mentioned at all. This luminous lens who brings every subject into sharp focus. 
he, what he means to say is that he's referring, every word here is a reference to the wise. The luminous lens is referred in the Talmud. The Talmud says that the prophecy of Moshe Rabbeinu was superior to all the other prophets. Because Moshe was like a luminous lens. While the other prophets was, like a, was more like a mirror. It was not clear, it wasn't see-through. Moshe saw things clearly. Well, the other prophets, they saw an image. Like in a mirror, you don't see the thing itself, you just see a reflection. They saw a reflection, but Moshe was luminous. It refers to the Rebbe as a luminous lens, where everything to him was crystal clear. It brings every subject into sharp focus. He, with his own talents, has done well. And moreover, God, in his wonderful kindness, has placed in his pure heart additional strength to do all this, i.e., to write the Tanya in order to show God's people his holy ways. It was the Alter Rebbe's intention not to publish these writings, for it is not his custom, but because these pamphlets have spread amongst all Israel in numerous copies by sundry copyists, and, as a result of the many and various transcriptions, the copyists' errors have multiplied exceedingly. It's not just numerous uh, scribes, but it's also very strange types of scribes, because he's referring to the mistakes that were done intentionally. He's hinting at the mistakes that were done intentionally, and therefore the Alter Rebbe was forced, he really had no choice, and he agreed to publish as a book and correct all the mistakes. He was compelled to bring these pamphlets to the printing press. God has aroused the spirit of the two partners, the outstanding and distinguished scholar Rabbi Shalom Shachna, son of Rabbi Noach. Rabbi Shalom Shachna was actually the son-in-law of the Alter Rebbe, one of the Alter Rebbe's son And the outstanding and distinguished scholar, Rabbi Mordecai, son of Rabbi Shmuel Halevi. So they took it upon themselves to pay, to take care of all the financial costs, which at that time was a huge cost. So they took upon themselves the financial obligation to get the book published. To bring these pamphlets to the printing house in Slavita. I congratulate them on this good deed. They were, however, apprehensive of the growing number of printing establishments which are wont to cause damage and ruin to the accredited ones. In view of this, we have resolved to give this approbation so that no man shall lift hand or foot to cause any damage, God forbid, to the aforementioned printers by encroaching upon their exclusive right in any manner. This was a way to copyright. The rabbis would give an approbation and they would prohibit anyone from reprinting the book, but up until a certain time. Enough time for the person to recover his expenses. It wasn't indefinite. It is forbidden to any person to reprint this book without the knowledge of the said printers for a period of five full years from the date below. May he who heeds these words of mine be blessed with good. These are the words of one who demands this for the glory of the Torah. This day, Tuesday, the day on which the Creator twice saw that it is good, of the weekly portion Tavo, in the year 556, of the sixth millennium, the insignificant Meshulam Zushil of Annapoli. Everything is a hint. Um, he says the year of our redemption. Our redemption is a numerical value of the year 556, which is the 1796. That's the Hebrew 5,556. This is the year that he wrote the, this approbation. So when all authors or rabbis would give an approbation, they would find a word that has numerical value of that year. He was also hinting that he believed that the, um, 
the book of Tanya, Rabbi Zushavanipala, when he saw when he saw the book of Tanya, he said that we will we will uh, march towards Mashiach with this book. That the book of Tanya, the Jewish people will be redeemed through the book of Tanya. And that's how he hints it with the word Pidusenu. That through this book of Tanya, we will be redeemed from the exile. Approbation by the famous rabbi and Hasid, a godly man of saintly renown, our teacher Rabbi Yehuda Leib HaKohen. The wisdom of the man illumines the face of the earth. When one sees the handwritings of the author, the rabbi, and Gaon, this godly man, saintly and pure, pious and humble, whose hidden powers have been revealed long ago, i.e., despite his efforts to the contrary, when he sat at the seat of wisdom with our Lord, Master, and Teacher, the world Gaon, i.e., the Maggot of Mazrich, who was a world authority in the revealed aspects of Torah, as well as the supreme authority in the realm of Hasidic thought. And he drew water from the well of living waters. Some understand this as an allusion to Rebbe Avraham, the angel, son of the Magid, for the letters Mi Be'er, meaning from the well, also spelled Avram. So he's hinting because Rabbi, uh, the Alter Rebbe considered that Rabbi Dovber's son, his only son, who's called Avram the Angel, as his, as, also as his teacher. He had an arrangement. When he came to the Mizrich, he had an arrangement. He would teach Rabbi Dovber Talmud, because he was the master in Talmud. And Rabbi Avram the Angel would teach Alter Rebbe Kabbalah because he was the master of the Kabbalah. And um, it says the Alter Rebbe used to, uh, was a little dishonest, because he, he had a set time to study, whether to learn an hour or two a day, whatever it was, the Alter Rebbe would move the clock back <laughs> when it was his turn <laughs> to study with Avram, the angel. He wanted to learn more, so <laughs> he cheated, and he... <laughs> He turned the clock back to gain an extra, extra hour or so. And Rabbi Avram was such a mystic, he didn't even notice. He didn't even realize. Oh, it's, it seems like... Uh... So I, I guess Hashem gave us that cheating instinct for, for, to use for good things. But things like that, you can... Uh... Sounds like a mystery to me. <laughs> now Israel, an allusion to the Baal Shem Tov, whose name was Israel will rejoice in the revelation of his holy words. For in Tanya, the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov find lucid intellectual expression. Literally, he means the Jewish people Israel, but he's also hinting, hinting at, um, at the Rishol Baal Shem Tov. The Rebbe's goal in Tanya was to spread the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov, Rabbi Shol Baal Shem Tov. Mashiach encountered, the soul of Mashiach encountered the Baal Shem Tov. Hashem to ascended to heaven on Rosh Hashanah and as he encountered Mashiach, the soul of Mashiach and he asked him, when are you coming? When are you coming? When are you coming already? Million dollar question. Still waiting. The Mashiach answered, when your teachings will spread throughout the whole world, that's when I'm going to come. And the Rebbe, when the Rebbe heard and realized that the coming of Mashiach is dependent on the spreading and the teachings of Hasidism. The Alter Rebbe sacrificed himself. He was ready to sacrifice his life 
to publicize, to communicate and to spread the teachings of the Baal Shem Tov and to articulate it and to make it available and accessible, knowing full well, knowing the tremendous opposition that, that this will arouse, not only from the negative forces, even in heaven, because it was untraditional, it was unconventional. It says when the Baal Shem Tov heard, heard that the coming of Mashiach is dependent on the teachings of Hasidism and the teachings will spread from one corner of the world to the other, says the Baal Shem Tov cried. So his own grandson, his biological grandson, Rabbi Baruch of Mezhubuz, cared for the tears of the Baal And therefore he refused to publicize the teachings of Hasidism. And Alter Rebbe said, no, if this is what it takes to bring Mashiach, we have to be ready to sacrifice our lives and to do whatever it takes to, to make it happen. So the whole Tanya was really, Alter Rebbe was sacrificing himself and creating a new path to serve Hashem in order to publicize the words of the Baal Shem Tev, to, to take the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev and make it as available as possible, to make it as clear as possible. And that's what he's hinting at, Rabbi Yehuda Leib is hinting at, he says, now the words of the Baal Shem Tev are finally revealed, because now they have, for the first time, the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev have found a lucid intellectual expression. This was the first book, comprehensive book, that articulated the philosophy of the Baal Shem Tev and the teachings of the Baal Shem Tev in a very clear way between the first part of the Tanya and the second part of the Tanya, which explains, over there he mentions the Baal Shem Tev's name explicitly, beginning in the very first chapter of the second part of Tanya. He brings down the Baal Shem Tev's teachings, how in everything that exists in this world, everything is really nothing other than the divine sparks. Even after it's created, it's really nothing, nothing other than godliness, and um, it's nothing other than the spiritual divine energy. The Tanya is really it's all about revealing the teachings of the Bashamta. Okay. Which have been compiled in preparation for the press to teach the nation of God the ways of holiness, as anyone can perceive in the inner meanings of the author's words. That which is common knowledge needs no proof, and thus the Tanya would actually need no approbation. But for the fear of damage, so that no harm be caused to the printers, I hereby sound a firm warning that no man raise his hand or foot to print the Tanya for a period of five years from the date below. May he who heeds these words of mine be blessed with good. These are the words of one who speaks thus for the glory of the Torah. This day, Tuesday, of the weekly portion Tavo, in the year 556 of the 6th millennium, Yehuda Leib HaKohen. Rabbi Yehuda Leib HaKohen said that the Tanya is the incense, the Ketoyres. We know in the temple, in the inner part of the temple, in the inner chamber, every day they would offer the incense. And the incense is meant to counter all the negativity. So he says that the Tanya is the incense that will counter the angel of death, or counter all the spiritual deaths and and all the spiritual false-isms that will challenge Judaism. The Tanya is the antidote, antidote to the incense that will protect the Jewish people. And he hints it also in the words, in the, in the way he signs the uh, year. He signs the year, Tav Kuf Nun Vav. Tav Kuf Nun Vav is an acronym for Tanya. Tav is Tanya. Is the ketores is the incense for neshama varuach. 
his soul and, his, and the spirit and the soul of the Jew. The tanyas, the incense that will protect the spirit and the soul of the Jew. So just like Rabbi Zusha said that through the Tanya will be redeemed, Rabbi Yehuda Leib is hinting that through the Tanya, this is the incense that will protect the Jewish people. Now both of them signed this approbation and mentioned the Torah portion at this exact same week. They signed the approbation um, during the week of Parsha Savai, Ki Savai, in Deuteronomy, when you will enter the land. So one of the three emissaries who brought the Tanya to have them approved by these two rabbis, Moshe Vilenka said that there, this is also a hint. The reason what they're hinting is Parsha Savai, the Torah portion of the week, because Savai, the Torah speaks about Ki Savai al Aras, when you will enter the land. What is the land? It says land, Eretz in Hebrew, comes from the root word Ratzon, will, which means on a spiritual level, on a personal level, that a Jew enters his own will. And the Tanya helps a Jew discover his true will. The Tanya helps a Jew discover his true essence. Tanya is not about reinventing or recreating a new person. Tanya is about removing the dust, removing anything that can cover up on our core, in essence, removing the ego and allowing the neshama to emerge and surface. Our true will, because deep down every Jew has a holy will, every Jew has a pure will, every Jew has a, a relationship and a connection which is alive and vibrant, even if we don't feel it. And the purpose of the Tanya is to help a Jew realize you don't have to rediscover, re recreate yourself, you just have to remove the obstacle and reveal and arrive at that will. The Tanya helps the Jew in his journey, to enter into the land. What do you mean enter into the land? To enter into your essential will, your essential relationship with Hashem. Also, Kisavai is the week of all the curses. 98 curses. It's the week, that's the Torah portion you always read before Rosh Hashanah. The terrible curses. So the Tanya is the antidote to the curses of exile. Through the Tanya... A Jew is able to overcome all the spiritual plagues of exile, the spiritual darknesses and confusions of exile. And also, when a Jew is able to overcome the spiritual darkness, that will also help us overcome the physical curses and the physical darkness as well. So this is the antidote to the bitterness and harshness of exile. The Tanya is that beacon of light, that torch, it lights up the exile, shows us the path, shows us the way, and clears up all the cobwebs and, and the stuffy ear, which makes it impossible to breathe, the unhealthy ear, the spiritual pollution. The Tanya cleans the ear, and suddenly you breathe fresh air and healthy air. And when a Jew is breathing healthy air spiritually, then a Jew is healthy. And, and a Jew is not, is not only healthy spiritually, but as a consequence, a Jew will also be healthy physically. And this is the antidote, this is the path through which we're going to leave the exile, through Tanya, through the studying of the Tanya, through the ideas of the Tanya, and through the clarity of the Tanya. A Jew is able to overcome all our negative things we have to deal with, that Hashem throws our way, and that's what they're hinting at, that, that they, they wrote their approbation in the week of Kisave, that the Tanya is the response to all the negative curses of the Torah portion of Kisave.
Now let's just learn the introduction of the, the approbation of the children of the Alter Rebbe. Approbation of the rabbis, long may they live, sons of the author of blessed memory, whose soul is in Eden. Whereas it has been agreed by us to grant permission and authorization to bring to the printing press for a remembrance for the children of Israel, the written works of uprightness and truth, words of the living God, as Hasidic discourses are called, by our Lord, our Father, Master and Teacher of blessed memory, recorded personally by His own holy hand in His own saintly expression, whose words are all like burning fiery coals which ignite people's hearts to draw them near to our Father in heaven. These discourses are collectively titled Igaret HaKodesh, the Holy Epistle, being mostly epistles sent by His Holy Eminence to teach the people of God the way by which they should walk and the deed which they should do. The way probably refers to the Hasidic paths of self-perfection. They're explaining, uh, let me just give a little background. The, the Tanya as we know it today evolved. When Alter Rebbe published the Tanya, he published the first two parts of the Tanya. Then years later, he published the third part of the Tanya. The Igeres um, HaTshuva, the epistles regarding Tshuva. The fourth part of the Tanya, which is the Alter Rebbe's letters, those were added after his passing. Those were added by his children. So they're explaining why they did it and how they did it. Those letters offering guidance in attaining love and awe of God and in the proper service of God through prayer and Torah study, while the deed refers to the inspirational letters dealing with charity and the like. He says two things, to show the, show the people the path they should take, and the action they should do. Because many of the letters deal with tzedakah, especially giving tzedakah to Israel. Um, and then also there's letters of inspiration, letters uh, of guidance, how to pray and how to study and what to meditate on, etc. Inasmuch as our Father has made reference in many places to his Sefer Likute Amarim, and since the words of Torah are scanty in one place and ample in another, so that some subjects in Igaret HaKodesh are more fully elucidated in Likutei Amarim and vice versa. That says that the Torah is poor in one place and rich in another. The Torah relies that it doesn't have to explain everything and every, every, every opportunity it brings a subject up. It relies on, it's already explained elsewhere at great length. So the Torah is referenced. One place refers to another and um, so many places that he refers to the first part of Tanya. He doesn't have to elaborate each time he brings up the subject. He doesn't have to go over the whole entire subject all over again. He just mentions it briefly and relies on the fact that he already read the other place, the other reference, where it's explained at length. Especially also since the Igaret HaKodesh introduces new material pertaining to Likute Amarim in the form of a Contras Acharon, later pamphlet, on certain chapters, which he wrote when he composed the Sefer Likute Amarim. It's called the Kuntras Acharon. It's very, very difficult, very, very deep. The Kuntras Acharon consists of profound discussions and insights in passages of the Zohar and Etz Chaim, which appear to contradict one another. And in his understanding spirit, the author resolves each passage according to its context, as explained in Likute Amarim, and thus this part of Igaret HaKodesh is certainly directly connected to Likute Amarim. 
Accordingly, we have deemed it proper to join the discourses in Igaret HaKodesh to the Sefer Likutei Amarim and Igaret HaTeshuvah of His Saintly Eminence, our Lord, Father, Master, and Teacher, i.e., to print them together. Therefore, we hereby place a great fence, i.e., prohibition, and the Nachash, i.e., excommunication of the rabbis for which there is no remedy. Nachash, it's an acronym for three Hebrew words, Nidoi, Cheirem, Shamtas, three different forms of excommunication, which also means Nachash is like a snake that bites. In other words, it's like a snake that bites, it's poison. There's no remedy. Anyone that will uh, violate this prohibition will be excommunicated in all forms of excommunication. Nidoi, Cheirem, and Shamta. Nachash, will be bitten by the snake. That no man lift his hand to print these discourses in their present form together with the Likute Amarim, or one without the other, for a period of five years from the date below. This, however, must be made known. To our misfortune, the manuscripts written by his personal saintly hand, which were composed with great precision without a superfluous or deficient letter, have become extinct. All that has remained from the abundance of material is this small number of writings, which have been collected one by one from the copies spread amongst the disciples. Should therefore an error be discovered, for who can avoid errors, the obvious error will be identified as deriving from a scribal slip, but the meaning will be clear. Declared by Dovber, the son of my Lord Father, teacher and master, Gaon and Chassid, saint of Israel, our teacher and master, Schneir Zalman, of blessed memory, whose soul rests in the hidden treasure houses of heaven. Declared also by Chaim Avraham, the son of my Lord Father, teacher and master, Gaon and Chassid, our teacher and master, Schneur Zalman. May the memory of the Tzadik be blessed, whose soul rests in the hidden treasure houses of heaven. Declared also by Moshe, the son of my Lord Father, teacher and master, Gaon and Chassid, Schneur Zalman, of blessed memory, whose soul rests in the hidden treasure houses of heaven. There is a tradition that after the Alter Rebbe finished the book of Benanim, the Tanya, the book of Benanim, collection of sayings, he actually wrote a book of tzaddikim. Oh. <laughs> but the Rashpala Zayder, his colleague Rashpala Zayder, told him that it's too intense, it's too powerful. You can, you're bringing too much godliness into this world. And there's a tremendous accusation against you in heaven. And therefore, it was decreed in heaven that the book will be burnt. And he told Alter Rebbe, I will go up in flames together with that book. And what happened was, the year that Alter Rebbe passed away, in 1812, the sixth day, six day of Tishrei, a few days after Rosh Hashanah, there was a fire in Alter Rebbe's house, and this manuscript was burnt. Mm. That very same day, the Shpolozeda passed away, you know, in his town. You know, prophetically, he said, I'm going to go up in flames with that, because he himself was, he was the tzaddik that Alter Rebbe was writing about. It was him and his colleagues. And um, Alter Rebbe was so upset, and uh, no one read the book. It was, it was concealed, it was hidden. Alter Rebbe wrote in the book, whoever looks into this book is not going to have a shear, not in this world and not in the world to come. I dare anyone to even look at this book. When the, after the book was burnt, he asked his son, Rabbi Dovber, he says, did you read the book? He says, 
Father, of course not. How could I read it? You wrote such, a, <laughs> such warnings. Whoever dares open the book, Al-Tareb was disappointed. He says, where's your sacrifice for, for studying Hasidus? <laughs> Who cares about it? You should have read it. I guess I would have, you know, it was, it was too late to rewrite it or this. But, so what the Shpolozeda told him came true, that Hashem didn't want, the world wasn't ready for such a revelation. Um, you see the intense opposition just for the revelation of the book of Benanim, for the average Jew. The amount of light that the Rebbe brought into this world, the amount of godliness and goodness that this book generated and continues to generate. Other than the Bible and other classical works, this is one of the most published Jewish books in the world. It's been published in over 5,000... The Tanya has been published in over 5,000 editions. Over 5,000 editions. Um, and growing each and every year. isn't a corner in the world which hasn't published its own Tanya and studied the Tanya. Um, but the book of Tzadikim that, uh, that heaven did not give permission to, that was not meant to be until Mashiach comes. Wow. Um, next week we're going to learn the introduction of the collector. Dr. Rebbe doesn't put his name down. Uh, the introduction, which corresponds to the first Torah portion which is Genesis. And just like the first Torah portion includes the whole Torah, it's the first, the introduction, is a very profound introduction and really gives us the essence of the whole Tanya. Mm-hmm.